The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm Chapter 30 Laying on of Hands first cries of the new morning were Lem's, for her eyes were burning with the poison of snakes, and she was in terrible agony. Orson and Amazar held her fast and pulled her head back as Twyla tried to wash her eyes with the water skin. In a few minutes, Len came to her senses, gasping for air and letting the cool wash over her. Amazar demanded to know if she could see his hand over her face, and for just a moment she thought she could see the vague glow of the lantern light. But then it was gone, and there was only the sensation of water. I can't see, she said finally, and this sent the wizard into a rage. He turned to Bardar with a scowl, and he said to him, Must I always spell everything out to you, half-man? We have a fair amount of extra leather and gear. During the hours that I was away, saving all our lives, why did you not make yourself useful and devise a barrier against intruders? Or perhaps it pleased you better to while away the time napping and snacking. Before Bardar could answer, the wizard hunched over and began a coughing fit that lasted a long time until... After several minutes, he began to expel blood, and he was forced to sit down. It was about this time as well that the wound on Solus's chest opened up, for he had overly exerted himself during the combat with the cobras. The warrior, still unclothed, went down onto one knee, bracing himself with his sword, while being met by Nim and Twyla who rushed to him, and who laid him down next upon the stone. They called for the lantern, and as the blood escaped his body, each of the Uname laid their palms upon the wound. Their horns then began to glow as did their bodies and their hands, and to the astonishment of all, though the blood remained, the wound itself slowly began to close. Mm -hmm. We are in your debt, gentle maidens, said Amazar at last. Pray tell, how far do your healing abilities extend? Can you help our cleric and our elf? And can you heal disease? For aside from our physical wounds, we would have great use in these ways for your service. The two shied from the tall man, but their sister, Nora, with her hand on the hilt of her weapon, 
approached to answer his question. We were born with the gifts of healing, she said. But what we have been given is of a lesser measure. We may call on it just once a day. We are not able to heal sickness or blindness. Yet our mother is greater than we, and so may have the means. Excellent, said the wizard. Then perhaps we may help each other. Of course, we first must rest for a time before we concoct a plan. Yes, just for a time, and then we shall. Amazar's words were suddenly cut short as the rattling <laughs> violence in his chest returned. He put a hand upon his forehead, succumbed to another fit, and in the end, sunk to the floor then into unconsciousness. Shared water and food and life in close quarters has caused the malady to spread. Water has been retrieved by the vanguard, but this, of course, is the very least of the threats that assail the tribes. The Yuname hope to find allies in their desperate quest, yet will contact with the afflicted soon pull them down into the same dark hole? The hope of all four tribes dangles precariously at the end of a thread, and the thread is breaking. All this and more on tonight's Iron Realm. Tribal Matters The group is in the Moss Lichen Room on Level 1 Alpha of the Maze, position 40, 14, 42, 19. It is 6.30 a.m. on the 10th day of Primaris. Once per day, each of the Yuname is able to perform laying on of hands and in this way can heal one life point per character level. They have performed their art on the fighter Solus, which has allowed him to recover two life points, whilst performing a similar service for the unconscious Paola, she recovers two life points as well, and then, being at zero, shortly later, recovers another life point which takes her to one. Of the group's wounded, the life points stand as follows. Kai, negative four out of five. Paola, one out of eight. Nora, four out of nine. Twyla, one out of six. Solus, four out of eight. Treya, two out of five. Stockholm, seven out of ten. Kailana, one out of four. Echo, one out of five. Iona, two out of eight. Kana, two out of four. Due to the disruption the night before, the group has not slept, and so will be taking a penalty of one on all hits, damage, and movement. 
most in the group are also affected by the malady which delivers a minus one penalty in combat, aside from Kana, who has sufficiently recovered, and, of course, the Uname. Additionally, Lelena and Len suffer a permanent minus four blindness penalty for being blinded by the spitting cobras. The group is not suffering any penalty for food or water, yet they must partake of these during the tenth day. Because the group did not get enough sleep, the study of spells will not succeed. Aside from Sira, who will recover her missing spell, since her ability is innate and does not require her to sleep. The available spells for the group are as follows, Sira, Invisible Shield, Treya, Aura Against Evil, Amazar, Door Denial, Lilena, Sea Magic, Kai, Hovering Disc. I'm also noting that two more oil flasks have been expended by burning the lantern all night. This leaves Amazar with three flasks remaining. Having started at 6 a.m., the entire group is going to attempt a full 24 hours of rest in order to recover further life points. Of course, the prior stretch counted for not being interrupted by violent combat. The oil will be rationed this day, and from the next flask, Amazar will intend to use but a quarter portion for a total of one hour's light, in case the group is in need of emergency illumination. It is Orson, with his ability to see in the dark, who is charged with the task of quickly lighting the lantern should the need arise. The chamber is heavy with a stench of sickness and humanoid occupation, yet it is an acceptable trade for what relative safety it offers. Following Amazar's demand, Bardar recruits the help of Kana and works to cut long strips from one of the spare suits of leather. These he jams under the door before receding the spikes in the hopes that this seal will prevent entry by snakes or other creatures. Meanwhile, Treya and Nora prepare a meal from the bodies of the dead snakes, whilst Echo, Iona, and Paola work to extricate the poison for their own weapons. Doing this requires a dexterity check for Echo, a 10 for Yona, a 5 for Paola, a 15. All three have succeeded and have coated each yet one more dagger with poison. Throughout the day, the group will partake of water and a meal of snake flesh. The food may hopefully serve though the group finds it revolting, and the mere scent of it triggers severe vomiting in some of the group. It is the malady we are afflicted with, explains Treya to the Uname. 
It seems now that it has taken us all. And it is getting worse. Glenn has passed out, too weak to do the bloodletting. But Tamek, who has yet some strength, recruits the willing hands of Kana to assist as she releases the bad blood from each in the group. The Yuname look on with deep concern, unsure whether this treatment will help or harm. The Iron Realm, copyright A.B. Lenzo, is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. to the malady, some of the group has become delirious and has begun hallucinating badly, especially Solus, Kai, Treya, Lilena, and Len. In particular, extra effort is required in order to keep them calm, for the closed quarters of the room seem only to further touch their madness. Others of the group know that this fate will befall them next, and mostly they huddle upon the cold floor, enduring the sickness and hoping it will pass. Of those afflicted, Stockholm, Bardar, and Orson are so far coping the best, and so they take time with the Yuname to compare maps and also identify the secret trapdoor that leads to the Goblin Kingdom. If you know where it is, do so note it. The location will be reiterated at the end of the show, and you may claim a reward if you are correct. Stockholm, Orson, and Bardar scrawl furiously to update all the group's maps, including several new areas as described by the Yuname. Room number 16 is located at 3523-3727. The space is 30 by 50, and there is a door in the very southernmost portion of the western wall. This is the steam cavern, and there are dozens of tight vents which emerge through the floor of this room. At least some of these natural channels wind and weave a long way under the ground, opening into other areas of the maze, of course using them is very dangerous, 
since a blast of steam can erupt through them at any moment. It is through here that the Yuname found their way to level one alpha, hot on the goblin's trail. Through the door there is a U-turn which leads west and bends southward and doubles back to the east. At position 3428, it opens into a straightaway of two more squares, followed by a T with the base pointed to the north. There is a room to the south of the T at position 3729, 3933. This room has a door at the very center of its northern wall. This is room 17, where the Yuname found a number of cobalt skeletons. Perhaps a burial place? Or else the site of a grisly execution. To the north of the T, the passageway continues one square to the north, then two squares to the east, and two more squares to the north, where it dead ends. Meanwhile, there's a 30 by 50 room at position 4127, 4331. It is room number 15, the Cobalt Barracks. This room has a secret door in its northeastern corner, in the northern wall, and it has a regular door in the southeast corner, in the southern wall. The southernmost door opens up into a hallway. The hallway is a straightaway, which leads two squares to the west. From there, there is an L-turn pointing north, which afterward continues one, two, three squares north, where it joins with the T, and after that one more square north, where it turns to the west in a dead end at position 3927. The Yuname are eager to talk about the secret entrance and a plan for assaulting the Goblin Kingdom, yet it was Treya who was most familiar with the secret way, and she is too far gone to join in their plans or conversation. This is going to have to be a waiting game says Stockholm. We're not going to be able to take on the Goblin Kingdom with anything less than our full strength. We have little chance but to bide our time and recover. Starting at 6 a.m. and throughout the day, roaming creature checks. In a stroke of good fortune, none are indicated in through 8 o'clock p.m at which point a decision on watches must be made for the night. Stockholm and Orson are gifted with the ability to see in the dark, and this will allow them to further conserve their oil until the very last watch of the night. From 8 to 10, Stockholm and Nora. From 10 to 12, Stockholm and Twyla. From 12 to 2, Orson and Nim, from 2 to 4, Orson and Sira, from 5 to 6, Paola and Kaylana, who will keep watch with a burning lantern. Roaming creature checks. The night is uneventful, and some of the group begins to rise at the 6 o'clock hour. One more roaming creature check from 6 to 8. This span is also without danger. The entire group has received a full night's sleep, and the lantern is left to burn from six to eight 
for the benefit of those spellcasters who need study. I am eliminating one more of Amazar's oil flasks, and I am eliminating the penalty from the prior day for lack of sleep. Orson memorizes Invisible Shield, and Kailana memorizes Reader of Magic. Kailana then casts the spell in order to study the scroll which came to her from the Mezari. That scroll bears a spell called Ventriloquist. Kailana rules versus her intelligence of 12 in an attempt to copy the spell into her spellbook. With a four, she succeeds. The scroll is instantly immolated, and a new spell is added to Kailana's spellbook. Ventriloquist is level one. At the beginning of the day, the Yuname work their healing skills upon Kai, and Kai recovers four life points. This expends their healing ability for the day, but brings Kai to zero, and shortly later, he gains another life point, reaching one as his eyes flutter open in gratitude. Likewise, by this point, all tribes have received a full 24 hours rest, and so I am adding one life point for each of the wounded as follows. Kai, Nora, Twyla, Treya, Stockholm, Kailana, Echo, Iona, Kana, and Paola. Following the nausea of the prior day, the group decides to conserve food and water, and will focus instead on recuperation. The Yuname surely have more than they can handle, for Kai, Lanlalena, Solus, and Treya have all sunk into a catatonic state, while most others of the group have been overtaken by delirium. And even Orson, Bardar, and Stockholm, who were strong enough during the prior day, now sink too into an unresponsive state. Help as you can, says Nora. Use what our mother has taught us. If we can save them, perhaps a rescue can still succeed. A save versus death must be made for those who have sunk into the catatonic state. First, Treya. 15, she will pull through. Then Kai, and Lelena, a 4, and an 18. Kai has failed his save, and loses a further life point. Solus needs a 12. 15. The boy is strong, and Len holding on by a thread. She needs an 11. 16. Len's goddess smiles upon her and she begins to rest easier. As the day went on, Kailana, Stockholm, Bardar, Orson, Iona, and Paola begin to suffer a severe loss of energy whilst suffering the shakes and dysentery. Kai, Echo, Temek, and Amazar have sunk yet further into the sickness, losing all grasp on reality and seeing things that are not there. Goblins, shouts Amazar. Goblins, give me my dagger. I'll kill them. Don't try to stop me. Nora is forced to wrestle the dagger from his hands. 
and the wizard puts up quite a fight. Fortunately, however, he is weak from the malady, and so she and her sisters are able to force him down, ultimately tying him up with Orson's rope, before at last the wizard slumps over on the floor and begins to sob. <laughs> From this point forward, the Yuname remain fully armed and armored at all times, and they bid Kana to do the same, for those affected by the malady are becoming badly susceptible to their hallucinations and potentially very dangerous. Nora especially realizes that they could be outnumbered easily should the curse evoke its influence. Starting at 8 a.m., Roaming Creatures, Day 11. At 10 a.m., there comes the sound of some creature trying the knob. The Yuname are silent, yet the sounds of their delirious companions easily give them away. The shaking knob turns to a violent banging on the door, and Nora motions to her sisters to hold their weight against it. Go away, says Nora. There is great sickness here, and it will threaten you if you enter. Yet if you find that insufficient, then consider my sword. I'm going to rule that those on the other side have understood what she has said and believe it due to the evidence of their ears. Ultimately, this reaction roll will have a plus one in Nora's favor, including also her plus one charisma bonus, two dice. An 11, on to stage 2. Next is a 7. Their attackers, intimidated, go silent and do not return. Due to her success at a battle of wits, I'm going to award 38 points for the two Beastman Berserkers. The rest of the day proceeds without any threat from outside, yet the Yuname tax themselves busily at work tending to their legion of the afflicted. Starting at 10 p.m., each of the Yuname will take a two-hour watch, making up for missed sleep between 6 and 8 a.m. First watch Nora, then Twyla, then Nim, then Sira. The lantern will be kept burning during the watches and through the morning, so I'm removing two flasks total from Sira's supply, which leaves her 18, roaming creatures through the night. In the middle of the night, during Twyla's watch, she's able to hear gruff voices from the hallway. Again, the knob is tried, but the spikes hold the door in place. Twyla goes to Nora to wake her, asking in a whisper what they should do. 
Nora shakes her head slowly before going to the door with Twyla, awaiting the next actions of their visitors in silence. Those on the other side of the door try to force entry a couple of more times before at last giving up and departing. By 6 a.m., on the twelfth day, the darkest part of the night is done, as is the watch. Gladly and gratefully, Lilena, Treya, Solus, and Len, though weak, are past the worst of the malady, and so can take over the watch while the Uname sleep, according to the rest of their needs. The group is suffering penalties from no food and water the day before, while those still afflicted by the malady are taking a further minus one in combat. Upon waking, Treya sets to work and memorizes Reader of Magic. She discovers that her Mezari scroll is the spell of illumination. She attempts to copy it to her spellbook. An 11, that's a successful intelligence save, and so she sacrifices the original scroll in order to do so. Because it has been another full day of uninterrupted rest, I assign an additional life point to each of the following. Solis, Treya, Stockholm, Kailana, Kai, Echo, Iona, Kana, Paola, after completing their sleep, the Yuname perform their healing once again, granting one life point to each of the following, Kailana, Echo, Twyla, and Kai. It is now approaching 12 o'clock, so Nora and the Yuname approach Len and Treya in order to begin making plans for their incursion into Goblin territory. Yet before they can begin, they see that Echo and Temek are upon their feet. They have armed themselves, and the madness has taken them. As the girl and the boy shout amongst each other, with Amazar ranting wildly from the corner, it is clear that they intend a fight to the death. If you are playing with transcendent disciplines, and if you have identified the location of the secret trapdoor to the Goblin Kingdom, then you are permitted to roll for a rank under any discipline that you possess. Earth, air, water, or fire. The coordinates on level 1 alpha are 20, 20. And if you have so noted it too, well done. You have served your tribe well. With the door secure and spiked shut, the group seems to be safe for the moment from threats without. And yet, with the madness of the malady upon them, the true threat comes from within. Join me next time, Travelers of the Maze, for Chapter 31. And until then, play hard or go home! Iron Realm! Be ready for anything, and you might yet survive. <laughs>